0: welcome back to another episode of not all at once i'm kendall Y,
1: and i'm jordan guess
0: jordan is ringing in from a volcanic island in the north atlantic known as iceland so jordan how how is iceland tell us about iceland
1: if if anybody out there if you get a chance you should definitely visit iceland um We have been, we have been blessed enough to be able to come here three. This our third time, and it is just really gorgeous. Um, so there's not a ton of words to be able to describe it. It's very green. Um, I'm sure people have heard that at this point where it's like ice and green. Greenland's icy. Um, so just very green, very mossy, very volcanic. Um, lots of interesting like. There's a lot of like interesting like things with energy here, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's gorgeous. We're we're actually right now, we just got to a <laughs> like we transferred from one island, main island Iceland, to this other island called the Westman Islands. And I can't pronounce anything really in, in Icelandic, but um it's the biggest island of these. There are like 15 islands, I think, um, that make up the Westman Islands. And we're staying on like the one, the only one that there's actually people on, um, but it is just, it's just gorgeous. You keep like I keep thinking that a troll or something's going to pop out or or um, or a, or a or an actual F or a Viking. So there's have actually seen, a little beach. Oh, go ahead.
0: Have you seen the Northmen? The,
1: the movie? movie? Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, you man. know, I'm bad about culture. <laughs>
0: Uh, Viking culture. Is a list, little, Viking culture is a lot of fun.
1: Uh, the Northmen. Okay, the Northmen. Is it
0: yeah, it was this year. It just came out recently. Oh wow! It okay. was. It's a very intense movie. Very intense. The Vikings do not mess around. They're very hardcore. <laughs> uh, they had <have> to be. <laughs> yeah. So Iceland has an abundance of geothermal energy. Obviously, being on a volcano um and actually yeah, which is uh,
1: crazy these these islands actually um th- i can't remember what the year was but essentially it wasn't that long ago that volcanoes under the ocean erupted and formed these 15 islands that make up like a what do you call it an arpeggio or something like that ar-
0: a- yeah ar- arpeleg- arpelegos arpelegos Arpelagos
1: yeah 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 <laughs> um
0: dude <laughs> yeah, I'm, looking on, so, I'm looking on a map right now iceland is like um so far north it is like the northern part of alaska what's the yeah. what's the daytime hours there right now is it like bright all the time or is it dark all the time what's going on
1: it's pretty normal right now but yeah there are so the first time we came here It was, we were in May and it was light outside almost the entire day, maybe outside of like three or four hours in the middle of the night. It actually got a little dark, but there's a funny story. Like, you know, we, we went out to, we were here with three other friends, me and Raven and three other friends. And we went out to the bars one night and stayed out really late. And it was like three in the morning coming out of the last bar and it was still light outside. It was insane. So, and then you go, if you come here in like November, December, it's the opposite it's dark most of the time so you
0: can't you can't see the northern lights right now can you
1: at night i don't think so i think it's i i might be wrong on this but i'm pretty sure november december is the better time to see the northern lights Mm. so so how did you get to the
0: did you did you take a ferry to the to the islands you're on right now
1: yep so we got on the ferry this morning um drove our car it was one of those you like drive your car onto it and then you go upstairs mm-hmm. and we had we had a little bit of there were some technical difficulties it is like a almost well it's like a 2019 ferry so it's fairly new and um but there were some issues with the with something and it's electric it, that's that's the point there was it's like an a, electric
0: boat wow yeah it's like, like one of the cool.
1: first fully electric could you, could you tell a
0: difference at all like was it a different ride
1: not really. The only difference was like it was having these technical difficulties. And I was like,
0: it just didn't work as well. It, these
1: ESG people. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, uh, I was so funny. story. I ran into this guy, Chris, Chris Faller. He used to I don't know if he still does or if he used, uh, or if he used to be like the game day host. Uh, I think Reese Davis might have taken his job. But anyways, he was on the boat. So I sh- I was chatting with him for a little bit, playing it cool like I didn't know he was. And he was like, "Man, I've never heard of this—a ferry that's running behind, like that's messed up. They're always just right on time, right on the schedule." And so, anyways, in my head, I was like, "Yeah, you never get these issues with the, with the, I don't know, fossil di- fuel powered diesel engine." <laughs> um,
0: so, well, that's interesting. That uh, my understanding is Iceland is actually one of the greenest nations on the on the in the, in the world. Uh, oh, just, I believe it. Just due to their abundance of geothermal energy.
1: Yeah, it is crazy. Like, pretty much everywhere, everywhere you look, it's either green, like moss or grass. And then outside of that, you might see like black, like rocks or black sand. Um, yeah, there's
0: black, there's like black beaches, black sand beaches, right? Is that, that's a thing? Yep.
1: Yep. That is, a I thing. guess that's from. So
0: it's from all the ash from the volcano.
1: Yeah, I think it all just plays into yeah with the volcano. There's actually a volcano that is erupting right right now. Um that's on the main island. And we were about we actually did a little photo shoot for like a maternity photo shoot and our photographer was telling us about it and she was saying that it's like a once in a 100 year event. Mm. So we should like try to get over there. But from like where you park the car, it sounds like it's like a two hour hike. So, which I know for most people that are like, that's fine. Just let's do it. But you know, with a, with a 20 week pregnant wife, we're, uh, we're weighing our options. So we'll see. Yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> I hear you. Well, you did some, you did some research on the Bitcoin mining in Iceland. Do you want to tell us,
1: tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, we did. Uh, So, so obviously we're, we're recording today, Sunday, August 21st. It's, almost noon for you it's almost 4 p.m for me um so you know we didn't know obviously we normally do Thursdays we didn't know if we were going to be able to get a good time on the schedule with the time change and everything so Raven and I were just looking into okay well maybe we do our own podcast and we'll send it over to Kendall to see if he uh, wants to post it or not <laughs> that would have been great <laughs> if it wasn't going to work I would have <laughs> yeah, I yeah, would we'll
0: have see. I would have loved that
1: <laughs> i mean
0: i'm in favor was, if you want to do that regardless you can still do it yeah
1: <laughs> okay so so anyways raven did majority of the research but essentially i mean it wasn't a ton but it was like uh we were just kind of looking into it because i had seen on compass mining when i was back in maybe april may when i was considering getting an asic or an s9 or whatever and then having compass host it and all that kind of stuff you know, you can pick the location, I guess, no, most of them, it looks like we're in Texas, but there was one up here in Iceland. I remember. So I was just kind of curious. And there's so much, they are very much like, a um, I don't want to put labels on it, but they're very focused on green energy up here. And I think we're even said that they're like over 90%, um, renewable energy here mm-hmm. between geothermal and hydropower and wind and solar. So, um, So anyways, I mean, if you're doing Bitcoin mining correctly, it's actually, my understanding at least, is it lends itself really well to a situation like that. But there had been a lot of, it was the Bitcoin mining industry, I think up here was met with a lot of the normal kind of FUD that we see um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, just wasted energy and all or not wasted energy, but, you know, um, just too much energy being used kind of thing. So, and I know that this is a country of like, they are very regulated in terms of what gets what's allowed and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like from an article in 2021, um, so pretty recent that a lot of Icelandic or a lot of Bitcoin mining activity was turned away. So I think that it's not being utilized as much as it could be. Um, which to me was a little surprising, a little, not surprising, but. They're kind of—I don't know—in my head, they're set up to to um, pretty much monetize their energy really well here, and um, you know, do all the things we talked about before, where they can turn off the miners if if they need to, um, or they can overproduce with renewables and then monetize that energy and pretty much when there's excess energy. So,
0: yeah, totally. I've I've explained the whole. Um aluminum smelting industry mm. in Iceland before, which is that aluminum gets shipped from all around the world to Iceland to be smelted or
1: manufactured. I'm not
0: familiar with the
1: aluminum process it's the biggest i think it's the biggest manufacturing industry here,
0: yeah, and basically what it is is that aluminum smelting requires a significant amount of energy, and in order to be to be profitable you have to have r- abundant and cheap energy and so in that capacity you can sort of have this abstract pers- abstract um framework which is that iceland actually exports its energy via aluminum hmm. see what i mean
1: yeah no, that makes a lot of sense it's just uh, it goes back to that like pick the government picking winner winners and losers from right. an industry right where they're yeah, it seemed like they had kind of settled on, well, we do aluminum here. And anything that's not that, even if it's... I don't know. I would just figure Bitcoin mining takes up... Physically takes up a lot less space. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, so, that might already be... Once you have like a an established industry like that, it's hard to um, disrupt it. But anyway, well, okay, so yeah. you are leaving iceland and going to europe after this right
1: yeah so really quickly we're we're um we're getting on a cruise ship this coming week on wednesday we will do a cruise around iceland i think we stop in four places in iceland um so we're not traveling a lot in in iceland other than like this island trip which is kind of in the south we're kind of just sticking around the the capital so we'll hit a few spots in iceland on the cruise ship we'll hit norway scotland then we'll land in close to London we'll spend 3 nights in London and then we'll from there we'll get on a river cruise that goes to Amsterdam, France, Germany, Switzerland and then we end the trip Portugal, Spain and then we come home. So Oh man, man. It's a full it is a full trip. What a journey. 30, have you ever, have you ever been two days.
0: That's a lot. Wow. Have you ever been yeah. to Switzerland? No. What part of Switzerland are you going to? Basel. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! You know the Basel Agreement is named after Basel. It's a no. I'm not even f- familiar with the Basel Agreement, or not the Basel Agreement. Basel Banking Regulation, and mm. it they they enacted it after the global financial crisis. It's a United States. I think it's a United States based regulatory framework, which basically, okay. I mean, basically what the Basel framework does is it it co-ops the banks. And so they're based, they're functionally just government, you know, commercial banks, but really they're government run. Okay. It like regulates what they can buy and like how much they can buy or something like that. It's
1: like how they deploy their reserves or something. I don't know. Wow. I was not familiar. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not from uh, all I really know about Switzerland is like the Alps, I guess, is in the, the Swiss Alps and then banking. I know that just banking generally is, they're a little bit uh more lenient, yeah. Right? Yeah, them? <laughs> Yeah,
0: lots of lots of gold in Switzerland too. Like mm-hmm. uh, that's where a lot of the gold gold is. Okay, so, so you're going down or up the Rhine River, it would, I would guess.
1: Yeah, or down. I guess we'll start in Amsterdam and we'll end in Switzerland.
0: Um, my understanding is right now the Rhine River is running quite dry you think that's going to be is. Is going to be an issue for you
1: we're keeping an eye on it um okay. <laughs> but yeah it's it uh it, there, it very well could be an issue where we have to take a detour or get you know go around certain spots um hmm. uh, i'm not i'm not qualified to speak on <laughs> why why it's low but yeah it is low i don't know so But the river cruise, like, you know, I'm not a big cruiser generally, but apparently the river cruises specifically in Europe are, um, are just a lot different experience than doing like the Caribbean cruises. So yeah, I'll definitely report back on, on those. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A lot smaller ship. Hopefully there's, um, not to be, uh, ageist, but hopefully there's some young people along for the ride as well. (laughs)
0: Sure. Sure.
1: So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, so, but I've been trying to keep up with the news, um, best I can. Did get actually, to have lunch. it's
0: actually been kind of a light, light week in loot in news in the news Okay, point. yeah,
1: well, that's good. I know that I know the tornado cash. I I think we'll chat a little bit about that. I know that that's been having ripples throughout the whole ecosystem for, I guess, what three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because I just, got set.
0: We should start there because yeah. I, th- I think we talked about Tornado Cash some in our last episode, but um, there's been some further developments. Um, so let's see. Two things that I want highlight, to uh, highlight about the Tornado Cash thing. First is okay. um, there was a core dev call, Ethereum core dev call, like a few days ago and there was a video going sort of viral on twitter of the core devs basically discussing uh, censorship in like at the protocol level um which i think is a significant development because um it it's an admission that the devs know that they play a role in this right it's mm. like the fact that they're even talking about it is is the is the news story here. Um, yeah. Now, you know, Bitcoin devs would be doing the same thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that that wouldn't be the case. The um. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, the fact that they and the, I encourage people to try to go find the video. It's like. The, the 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 guy who brought it up was like he even prefaced his comments with i want to be overly vague here i don't want to be too specific but like um do we want to it was actually not around tornado cash it was around a um minor extract, extractable extract extractable value thing which is okay. I actually want to explain this to you because this is kind of interesting. So MEV, you will hear increasingly in the coming year or two is, so miners get to, miners create the blocks or validators create the blocks. And so they, they actually have the opportunity to front run certain trades or certain financial transactions um specifically if you like in the event of a decentralized exchange oftentimes these decentralized exchanges such as uniswap or pancake swap they will their their exchange prices will be different from a centralized exchange which creates an arbitrage opportunity which mm-hmm. means you basically buy at a centralized exchange and sell at a decentralized exchange or vice versa you're capturing a spread and okay. if you are a miner or a validator, you can set up specific rule sets to watch people trying to arbitrage these trades and you can, you can basically hijack them. So, mm-hmm. so, you can, so uh, a person can try to capture that spread, just a normal user of the protocol, and you as the miner or the validator can identify that they're trying to capture the spread and you can basically decline their transaction and, you, and make the transaction yourself. Hmm. Um, and that's just one one type of MEV. There's all sorts of types of MEVs, which is basically, yeah, the the miners or the validators are front running the actual users.
1: Um, so interesting. It's, it's sort of a weird. So they were sent. They were tying that in with just with like them being able to censor those transactions. I guess.
0: I think I don't know the specifics, the super details, but my guess would be that that. See, MEV creates sort of a perverse incentive where the miners or validators are sort of extracting rent from the users. It's sort of a rent-seeking behavior. Yeah. Um, and so I think that part of their initiative, the developers' initiatives, is to try and prevent the miners or validators from doing that. In order to do that, you have to basically, I think the discussion is around censoring miners or validators' transactions, right? Hmm.
1: Um. I guess they won't have to deal with that issue for too long, though, since the miners most likely will fork, right? You're, the right. problem is still going You're to still persist have... in okay. proof of stake as well. In fact, arguably, it will be
0: worse because um, hmm. the stakers can build a coalition and sort of like a cart, you know, like OPAC, right? Was that? O- OPAC is it the, the oil... OFAC no 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 the oil cartel there's an oil cartel between like russia saudi iran i think or kuwait i forget who's in it yeah and basically it's like they control so much of a large stake of the oil market that they can that's actually what a cartel is right it's like a group of individuals in positions of power which um they work together to basically to increase their share of the of the of the of the market. You could have a similar dynamic in proof of stake with minor extractable mm. value, where the largest stakeholders stakers all work together to extract as much value as possible.
1: Mm. Interesting. Does that go on in Bitcoin as well or just Ethereum right now?
0: See, it doesn't really happen as much with Bitcoin. This is like the fundamental difference difference between proof of work, proof of stake. Is that proof of work is is inherently higher friction? It's much more competitive in proof of stake, so you it's difficult to have a single entity can have a have a significant portion of the mining hash rate. Um, it's much more decentralized. Whereas with proof of stake, the just due to due to the dynamics, the economic dynamics of the monetary policy, you have an increasing wealth gap, and uh, it becomes easier for um single entities to have a a significant share of the of the staking i mean for example just the centralized exchanges i think coinbase owns like right 15 or 20 percent of the i mean that's like that's that's
1: where my mind went was the exchanges are they able to take advantage yeah get your coins off of exchanges people
0: um so the other thing about the tornado cash thing Was Coin Center released a? They released what are they? What I don't know know what it was exactly like,
1: uh, it was just an analysis on their blog,
0: okay? And they also had a a podcast episode which I can link in the show notes, actually,
1: for sure. Yeah, I mean, basically, what the podcast and what their article kind of talked about was comparing pretty much comparing what OFAC did. Um, which I guess we should define. OFAC is the let me make sure I get it the exact
0: Office of Foreign Asset Controls. Yep, or something like
1: that. Yeah, so they, yeah, so they had done something um, similar to what they did with Tornado Tornado Cash to something called Blender.io, um, and then and that was maybe a few months ago, and kind of no one batted an eye, and now and then they did the same thing with Tornado Cash, but what Jerry and Peter over at um, Coin Center pretty much talked through is that these are completely different. Um, in, uh, well, I shouldn't even say entities, just com- completely different things altogether. Because the case they make is that Blender is an entity. It's a, or it's at least an organization, a group of people that you could tie specifically to what was being done. Whereas um, Tornado Cash is simply a, it's simply code it is a smart contract Mm -hmm. so you can't really there's no way to actually um i guess tie it to any specific people or group of people you know um so it was my it was like my basic takeaway from um from both of those pieces and then i just went ahead and flew up and had a lunch with them just to discuss it too you know (laughs) (laughs) They're like Jordan. We need your opinions on this matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean that was that was kind of like basically what I what I took from it, and that um and that's probably I mean their their stance is that it's an overreach, another overreach um, from another you know bureaucratic office, um, essentially trying to bring down the hammer on something that they just do not understand at all, and are just going to you know potentially going, they're going to be battles in court over, over this kind of thing. So.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I think Dutch law enforcement actually arrested one of the tornado cash developers. Yeah. That's pretty significant.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, cause again, it's like their whole thing at coin center. I mean, they gave me a bunch of stickers when I was leaving and one of the stickers says you can't regulate math. And I mean, that's kind of what this comes down to is like tornado cash is just math and code. And there's no, there's no, again, it's not like a centralized piece, uh, like a centralized company where some, they can indict certain people, right? It's like, because my understanding is like the so, code was written maybe by developers, but it can't even... It couldn't even be changed if they wanted to change it is was my right. was See, another it's a, piece of understanding.
0: It's a total shit show of law, you know, law enforcement because they're, they're overreaching in some capacities. But here's the thing. Um, the way that I would frame this is that the thing that the treasury department did, which is not, they are not allowed to do is they sanctioned a robot basically. Yeah. Um, like you can think of the smart contract, which operates tornado cash as a robot and within their, um, I forget what it's called like within their const or within their legal rights. It does not, it says that they can regulate or they can sanction people, entities, or groups, or maybe even you yeah. know, companies, that, but nowhere does it say robots. Yeah. So here's the thing, um, they're going to be able to do that. I'm just going to come out and say it. My opinion they is They are
1: or they are not.
0: They are. They will. And okay. here's, the th- here's the thing. I think that... This is just my opinion, right? I mean, I'm not a lawyer by any means. I'm just a software guy. But I think that basically the treasury is just going to have to update the law. And they're just going to have to update the law to include smart contracts. Robots, basically. Now there's all sorts of like, I'm not trying to be, Uh, I think that they're, they're very, uh, the Treasury Department is very much in the wrong. And le- I mean, legally they're in the wrong. And I think mm-hmm. that um, even through the lens that I just said, you know, that they're going to be able to do that. They, they still have done things that they won't be able to do. Um, or like, Ultimately, here's a, th- here's a problem, right? The problem is, can they stop it from happening, right? You know, like a rule is only as good t- as the degree to which it can be enforced. And they're not going to be able to stop this from happening. Um. So, so there, there's going to be all sorts of nuance around how they dance around that fact. Here's my larger narrative, okay? You ready? My larger narrative is mm-hmm. that much of crypto is not like I would say more than 80% of crypto maybe 90% is not like this sort of core thesis or narrative which is battling the state right um, mm-hmm. or like I don't I mean it's kind of like this like mountain man narrative or like anarchy narrative i think all that's garbage really i think that's like even the libertarian stuff i think you can't really develop a compelling narrative with that um you know what what bitcoin is being apolitical money like that that is a world changing thing um but i think that a lot of crypto has sort of been born out of that same narrative which is world-changing and is very significant and now crypto is going to have to shake that off because crypto is not going to be um, lucrative or economically significant if it is this sort of like anarchy libertarians dream type of thing again i'm saying crypto not bitcoin is something different Um, Mm -hmm. and so this is my thesis, which is that, so in the past decade or so, you've seen a lot, an emergence of like a new tech field called FinTech, right? Financial Mm -hmm. technology, which is like PayPal, Cash App. um, There's all sorts of like BS FinTech startups. Um, Not to be overly cynical here. Um, And basically like the, the traditional FinTech model is complete garbage all it is is like because see they didn't they just like over layered you know cutting edge silicon valley software engineering onto the mm-hmm. existing financial rule sets they didn't fundamentally change any rule set of the financial system
1: they made it look prettier
0: yeah they just made it look prettier exactly so it's total garbage i mean it's total garbage but i do think that crypto uh is actually this like compelling fintech um, solution because there are fundamental rule changes to what crypto imposes, um, and and I, you couldn't do that in the traditional fintech model. Right. So I, I think the basically my my case is the real fintech is crypto. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean. I think what all of this is getting at is like mostly what we've seen in this past in the past year is the government coming in and infringing upon first amendment rights freedom of speech fourth amendment rights um freedom from unreasonable siege, search and seizure and this one being fifth amendment rights um pretty much not having due process and so I think it's just been a lot easier For governments in the traditional finance world, especially when you're just talking about like normal banking that everyday people interact with, it's it's just so much easier to infringe upon those rights because it's inherently a centralized system. Even going back to gold, right? Gold was a very centralized system as well. So all of a sudden we actually have something that is decentralized, whether it is one of these mixing softwares to help with privacy, or it's just a cryptocurrency with, you know, distributed networks just generally. And I think the government looks at it and they're like, yeah, we know we had the, we've had those rules and those amendments and that constitution. We'll dust that off to try to see what that looks like or whatever. But they've not even had to really enforce a lot of those things because it just has been so easy for them to step all over those rights for so many years. And so now I think that they're I just think that this is essentially going to test do we really have those rights um or or did those go mm-hmm. away in your financial life a long time ago mm-hmm. and we all just kind of pretended like oh sure yes you have freedom of speech with with how you spend your money and uh oh sure we we wouldn't unreasonably come and search and seize your property um or do that without due process so um so let's see where it all where it all goes but i think there's going to be they're gonna have to answer the question of do you actually take these things seriously or or not
0: right so i think that's a, a really useful
1: framing to
0: approach this as and i think that my my opinion would be that people will uncover that they don't actually have these rights and but here's the kicker. They're not going to get them. Okay. And I think that that's, I think there's actually a lot of compelling arguments to be made that that's the, the correct way to do things. Let's uh, think, think about it through the lens of like, I, probably, I actually speculated this when two or three weeks ago, when it first came out, that it was probably a North Korea operation. It turned out mm-hmm. that that was likely what was going on. So you Mm -hmm. have to understand that like, you know, as an American citizen, do you want to support, do you choose to support an operation which is also uh, benefiting the North Korean government? Like, I think that there's probably a reasonably compelling consensus that that is not a good thing, right? Now, I'm not casting my morality, my personal morality on here. I think that I'm just trying to explain what I think the most likely outcome is.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, um, so yeah, I think that I think that basically a lot of people don't have a lot of these rights that they think that they have financially, and I also think that that is arguably mostly the correct system. Now, again, I think Bitcoin is totally different. I think so. I'm setting. I'm very clear about. I'm setting Bitcoin aside from all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but. So, yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately if Ethereum and Solana and all these exchanges and all these protocols, if they want to fulfill their ultimate vision, they're going to have to move away from this um, Bitcoin driven um, culture, which is like very libertarian. They're going to have to shake all that off. Um, Otherwise, they won't fulfill their vision. And nothing stops the vision. Okay. The vision is the vision is the power. Um,
1: so, so what fills that gap, I guess. Well, like that's a big ideology that you're asking people to just shake off.
0: Yeah, I think Bitcoin does. And then what I
1: fills think, fills the void, I guess. I
0: think basically you have a tweezing apart of what the Bitcoiners have said for a long time, which is that Bitcoin is different from blockchain, right? I think that you'll finally have a tweezing a part of that which is driven by U.S. government uh, regulation. Um, mm. You know, like if I tried to articulate this to some Ethereum people on Twitter, which is po- poor decision making on my behalf, but um, <laughs> but you know, like living you learn. If uh, if you, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever learn, but um, if you are an Ethereum. I think that your optimal strategy is to do exactly what I just proposed, which is to disconnect yourself from this libertarian Bitcoin thing and be like, look, we're here to play by the rules. We want to build the next generation of digital finance. We have a tremendous amount of leverage to do that. We plan on deploying that leverage. I mean like political leverage, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, but in order to do that, we have to abide by OFAC sanctions. That's just the way the world works, and we're here to we're here to play by the rules. Uh,
1: I, what what comes to mind when you say that is like is giving up your guns. Where essentially, totally. like, there's two two camps of people. There's one camp of like, yeah, well, there's some people, in your example, North Korea, who use guns to do really really bad awful things. So we're all going to give up our guns versus the mindset of like even if i give up my guns a bad person is still going to figure out how to get their hands on a gun they're going to be able to do bad things with that gun so i'm going to keep my gun and where it comes into crypto mostly in my head is is privacy and that's really what we're that's what we're talking about at least with the tornado cash it's just it's just one tool to try to transact more privately And it seems like if we give an inch on this topic or on this, I guess, this, um, story or whatever, then they're going to start trying to crack down on Bitcoin privacy tools, um, potentially try to crack down, crack down on Monero, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, at what point do we, at what point do we, um, you know, not have, not have our second amendment, not have our right to defend ourselves, not have our right to transact privately if we want to. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. That's my biggest fear. Right.
0: Um, And yeah, I think most of my thesis that I've laid out here is not like a personal morality stake. It's again, it's just what I think the most likely outcome is. Um, And, uh, and I would say, you know, even if you have, I think if you have that point of view, I would push you towards Bitcoin, right? Like I would say, well, if that's your worldview, then then you really need to understand this Bitcoin thing. I, I think that it's politically acceptable for for libertarians to exist and to and to take up Bitcoin. And um, and to your point, yes, it's definitely like you know you give them an inch and then they're going to come for Bitcoin next. And. That's gonna happen, and you know, like mm-hmm. my opinion is that good luck with that. Like, they're not gonna they're, the the culture of Bitcoin fighting for these for these fundamental freedom rights is so deeply rooted that you can't, you know, good luck. That's like trying to destroy America. Like, I don't think that you're gonna be able to mm-hmm. do to do that. Um, so, in a, in a way, I think it actually becomes a much more effective tool for 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 battling these these legal arguments right um so that's interesting yeah
1: but the hardest part i mean i've been trying to dive a little bit more into privacy just generally i actually just finished up a podcast episode about monero specifically and bitcoin privacy at least my understanding of it is it's just extremely difficult it's not it's not out of the box uh in terms of like you just you Open up a wallet for Bitcoin and you automatically have privacy. Um, you have to, it sounds like you have to do all this kind of stuff on top of that. Really need to be technical, it sounds like. Otherwise, even if you get it correct, you might, I don't know, I could just see myself trying to, to transact in Bitcoin privately, messing it up and losing some amount of funds, hopefully not that much, but you know, there is that risk. And so that's yeah, the hardest I, part.
0: I actually, and I, you know, two or three weeks ago when we first talked about this, that's what I said, which was that the reason why OFAC is going after Tornado Cash is because the privacy actually works. Like yeah, it's because it's a defective see on Bitcoin. You don't actually get that degree of privacy out of the box. There's a lot of analysis tools that you can, that people can use to track you. Um, right. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I think ultimately privacy exists for the individual, not for the collective. Mm -hmm. And um, so in terms of money, what that means is here, it just comes down to the size of the liquidity. And it's why lightning is actually a perfect tool for personal privacy Because the Lightning Network is not intended to be this like ultra liquid thing. There's always going to be liquidity lacking on Lightning Network. And so it's good for small transactions that you want to make which are private versus versus North Korea wants to do, you know, a billion dollars or whatever. So and I think that those those things are politically acceptable. I think it's politically acceptable for Hindle Why, the citizen. To be able to send a hundred dollars to um a a campaign that I want to support, and I want it to do that a political campaign which I want to support, and I want to do that privately. That's totally politically acceptable. It's not acceptable for politically acceptable for North Korea to be able to launder a billion dollars right yes so so in terms of the the privacy tech um I think that you know, I think Lightning is is a fantastic solution for individual privacy.
1: I mean, is there a world in which, like, technically, is there a world in which some some uh, organization like Chainalysis could pretty much identify bad actors like North Korea using Tornado Cash for, um, you know, for nefarious means versus leaving alone a common citizen who's just using it to achieve their personal privacy in america or is it really it does it really mix it up or what i you know make it so difficult that they couldn't do that
0: i think that that's what i'm trying to pitch here is that there are different technical solutions for Mm -hmm. for different for the different use cases chain analysis is not going to be able to track me on the lightning network it's just not even technically possible but here's the other thing there is insufficient liquidity on the lightning network to support North Korea. You see? So right this is now. why, this is why, well, I think even forever, really, this is why there's like a natural hierarchy to, to the monetary system in terms of layered scaling in order for you to, to move a billion dollars in Bitcoin, you have to do it at the base layer. Um, and you're not gonna be able to do that in lightning probably ever be my guess um so so yeah that's my uh, this is my pitch actually is that mm. privacy the, it's weird how it's like technically the solutions will um will uh embrace privacy to the individual but not for the collective and actually i'll say one more thing too which is the the taro protocol on lightning network which is being developed by lightning labs which is intended for mostly for stable coins you can imagine a world where um, stable coins exist on lightning um, I think you start getting into you start getting into like some sort of nuance there which is that certain things may be private and certain things may be public um, but but anyway uh, yeah anyway yeah. If you want yeah. privacy, use Lightning. That's what I say.
1: Yeah. The the cool thing is, it sounds like there's... The, the vast majority of people, if I had to guess, over the next five to 10 years, will just use a regulated exchange where same as Visa and MasterCard, Mastercard every single one of their transactions is fully um, visible to governments, corporations, whatever. They ha- They pretty much are paying... They're paying for this service with their data versus any money, but then there will be there will, hopefully assuming like we we win some of these fights um, in court and stuff. There will still be options um, to legally transact in a private way. Mm-hmm. So, but also allow for government agencies to catch actual bad guys. Um, So, but I'll just never get, I'll just never get over the gun comparison of like, well, I'm not giving up my gun because I know that a guy who wants to get, or a girl who wants to get their hands on a gun to do bad things, they're, they will figure that out. So yeah, especially in America.
0: I think my response to that analogy, (laughs) my response to that analogy would be that Ethereum is not a gun. Bitcoin is the gun, right? So you're not really giving up your gun by giving up Ethereum, in my opinion.
1: Okay. What is what is Ethereum? If it's not a gun, is it a whip?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ethereum? I don't know. Is it a it's water gun. Like, <laughs> it's more like roads, like public road system. That's what I think of when I think of Ethereum. Hmm. It's like investing okay. in public roads. Okay, that makes sense. This is a good segue to my piece, actually.
1: Which, yeah,
0: let's talk about it. Oh man, I just I'm now seeing that I have a typo in it. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I published my August 2022 writing piece, trying to do one one a month. Um I was pretty happy with it. Um it's titled It's titled Yielding a Volatile Asset. And um Basically, I make the claim that moving to a proof of stake is going to inherently increase the asset volatility. Um, so you, you already have a volatile asset, which is Ethereum or ETH um, or BTC. Um, and I'll draw distinctions between the two. But then if you layer on a yield to it, In the form of proof of stake you are going to increase the volatility and um, so i will explain the dynamics here the let's assume that the market speculators believe that the price of eth is going to increase so everybody the market is assuming an, uh, an increase what will happen in that scenario is speculators will spot buy eth So they'll come in, they will stake their claim. They say, these are my ETH, and we're going to wait for the market to go up. At which point they will also stake their ETH because if you stake it, you get an added bonus. So not only do you have your existing ETH, which you expect to increase in value into the future, but you will also have additional ETH by the time that you want to exit the position. So not only will ETH go up in price, but your nominal amount of ETH will will also go up in price. So you're incentivized to stake it. Okay. So let's assume that plays out. The market pumps. And then you unstake your ETH and then you dump your ETH. So you are selling out of your position. If the market does this broadly, then everybody will... A large portion will unstake their ETH all at once, and if there is a lack of stake in the ETH in the in the network, yes. the yield has to go up because there has to be an incentive for new stakers to come in. Mm-hmm. And if the yield goes up, that also means that it is um, more dilutive, so the inflation rate actually goes up. So. all all at once you have people exiting their positions they're dumping which they also have more of a nominal amount of because they staked it so that puts that sell sell pressure puts down downward price on the asset and then couple that with the yield also has to go up in order to incentivize more stakers which which is more dilutive which puts even more downward pressure on the price so so you have this increasing volatility, which occurs. It's called a pro cyclical uh, dynamic, right? So as the price goes up, um, the the supply contracts, and as the price goes down, the supply increases. Um, and so, as a as a comparison to proof of work, so proof of work has it has a similar, you can, you can make the claim that it has a similar dynamic, which is that you're getting a yield in the same way. Um, There are two fundamental differences. First off with, with Bitcoin specifically proof of work, the monetary policy is fixed. So the yield does not change based on the price. Um, That's what the, that's what the difficulty adjustment does. But furthermore, it's it's actually the illiquidity of mining operations which dampens volatility here. So as a miner, you take on tremendous risk of buying real world uh, capital investments. You have to buy facilities, miners, energy. You have real world thing assets that you have to move around. This is what I mean by illiquidity. So they they cannot exit their position. Uh, and at the click, click of a button, right? With proof of stake, you can exit your position with a click of a button, but with, uh, with real world assets, it's not that easy. So the increased friction, the real world friction there is a feature of the system, which dampens volatility. Okay. So last point, last point is that I think what happened with Terra and Luna was basically this, this, um, increased price volatility dynamic on hyperdrive right so it is like lighted on fire and it's crazy um you know i i would gasoline yeah i i would posit that the eth proof of stake dynamic is the same thing um just at a much less lethal scale so you know like it's the it's the thing that people don't want to say right Look, if ETH crashed to zero, we we'd all need to pack up and go home. Like the industry would be cooked almost. Bitcoin would be fine. We'd talk about we could talk about that, but it would be very bad for everybody. So I have no problem presenting this case to the public because I think it's extremely risky. Like um the problem is you can experience a death spiral. And I think you're and so actually in the piece, what I claim is that people one of the, the main pieces to proof of stake is that people want to claim that it's, you get these different security dynamics. So proof of work, you have security one way, proof of stake, you have security a different way. I, I pose the the idea that we're misusing the word security. Security is not the right word to use. And like the real security budget, which is what people call it, is like w- way less than what anybody is currently projecting like the cost to secure these networks is very, very little, in my opinion, very small. And, um, and so what you have going on here is that you're, you have the Ethereum people, uh, making a high risk decision based off of a problem, which I would argue doesn't exist. Right. Hmm. So you are taking unnecessary risk to the overall market. Um, of course, as we, as we all know, what's really going on is greed. It's really greed and they're going to promote an ESG narrative. And, um, really what's, what's going on is the token holders are trying to flip Bitcoin. Right. And, um, nobody will admit that, of course, uh, you know, that would be heresy. Uh, but, but that is my opinion of what what's actually going on. And, um,
1: is there any scenario where that plays out in your head where where the market cap does flip?
0: Yes, definitely. I actually think it's probably more likely than Bitcoiners would like to admit. Okay. Yeah. Probably because here's here, let me let me play a future out for you. Here's what I could see happening. The merge is successful. You you get a Fed pivot. Um, let's say it's about November at this point, and all bets are on risk is on baby and now you have esg the the whole esg narrative you have wall street speculating offshore hedge funds speculating chinese government going after it um i could see it happening and i could see eth spiking to over a trillion market cap and btc not and it and that would be in my opinion the end that would be the end of it all that would be when the bubble would break and crypto would just implode. It would go nuclear at that point. You would have a death spiral in ETH. ETH would plummet down to some crazy. Um, call it 50 billion, maybe less 10 billion. Um, Bitcoin would go right along with it. <laughs> All these equity investments would get wiped out um, and uh, Bitcoin would recover. I think Bitcoin, one of two things would happen with Bitcoin. You would either have... Uh, it basically start over, and so its monetization process would have to start over. Uh, or you you could have sovereigns which backstop Bitcoin at call it two hundred billion market cap, which would be like a ten thousand dollar price point or something like that. Um, now, the reason why I portray that potential future, which I think is very unlikely but a possible future, is to to really highlight the. The level of risk involved with eth flipping bitcoin i think if eth flips bitcoin it's over i mean i think it's like crypto is doomed at that point um mm-hmm.
1: yeah wow <laughs> well you heard it here first people some big <laughs> those are some big uh predictions but we love to see them i mean yeah we're we're uh no matter what, in real world, I think we're in for a lot of volatility. So, um, yeah, the, it wouldn't surprise me to see a ton of volatility in um, digital crypto world too. But that would that 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 latter scenario you just laid out for us that would be quite the quite the ending.
0: My point is is if ETH flips BTC and you got ETH, dump all of your ETH, dump it, you're going to thank me later for that. <laughs>
1: Not not financial advice. Not investment
0: advice. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. Um, oh, really quick, we can just kind of end on a on a funny kind of a funny note. Um uh, did you see did you see Adam Newman? Did you see oh, yes. the, the, his get him getting like three hundred and fifty million dollars from a sixteen z or whatever?
0: This is great. There are so um, many so many good memes floating around I so
1: love many good memes you know raven and i we've probably for the last six or eight months something like that we've been really uh, hardcore hardcore watching um seinfeld and so Liquidity put out my favorite meme and it was jerry seinfeld saying newman um and it was like when you see newman gets another <laughs> whatever how many ever millions dollars backing for another project oh and then there <laughs> hold on you can talk while i find this but there was such a funny tweet that they also tweeted that i just have to read off of but tell me I, uh, did you see any good
0: i did ones? see some good memes i do want to say for the record you know we're all having a good laugh i think it's funny um but i do think that it's actually a legitimate investment i hate to say it <laughs> but i think that uh, the guy actually does kind of know what he's doing to some degree and uh i wouldn't necessarily bet against it
1: i'm not even sure what it is yeah it's a we is it, is it still for we work or is it something different
0: it's basically we work for residential property rentals so rather than commercial it's just residential mm. um, okay. okay i think That's he's interesting i think that there, there is actually a future where where that company exists and if you're asking me who's the best person in the world to orchestrate it, it's probably Adam Newman, right? I mean,
1: okay, that's a perfect segue into this tweet. Okay, this is the tweet. You ready? The year is 2034. I kiss my wife goodbye as I leave my wee house for for the wee bus to wee work while she takes my son to wee learn. <laughs> I I hear the. I hear the we call to prayer and pull out my wee wellness mat and kneel to give homage to my Yoshi son and Adam Newman. That's oh so gosh. good. That's life amazing. is good for life is good for me. Life is good for we. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh shout out to Jeremy Son, spelled S O N N E. Man, that might be the tweet of the year for me that was just cracked me up and it has ever ever, every time I looked at it. So
0: that's my own personal, that's my own personal
1: nightmare. If you're wondering, (laughs) Hey, that's what you're you're just like. I can envision future. (laughs) I'm not saying
0: I will, I will participate in it. You
1: know, (laughs) life is good for me. Life is good for we, Oh man, that's where we should end it. Life is good for we, um, you got anything else?
0: no that's it uh enjoy iceland yes sir Uh, even though jordan's traveling we're still podcasting so
1: yeah episode 24 i think yeah yeah we'll uh we'll see how this coming week works um i'll be on a i'll be on a cruise ship and i've not been um pretty much i'm not bullish on the wi-fi we'll just say that but we'll see (laughs) (laughs) so cool all righty well thanks again for everyone listening in and yeah we will talk to y'all soon